0: plushcare.com slash weight loss Back in base this afternoon oh what
1: a lovely day we had yesterday in Black Rock it was simply wonderful first time I've ever been there for the 15th the big day in the village it was absolutely thronged with people the weather was fantastic too but all of the people who came to us and said hello and we met down there along with the wonderful guests we had just made it Fantastic. And thank you to everybody in BlackRock for such a lovely. Welcome, yesterday, and especially the people at the village garden who were so kind to us as well. It was just great. Yes, we're coasting along each Tuesday on late lunch, and next Tuesday we're in Latown Bettystown in County Mead on the coast again. That's next Tuesday on the promenade in Laytown next Tuesday, but encompassing all of Latown Bettystown. And uh, if you're around about next Tuesday, do give us a shout. We'll be talking more about that nearer to the time. Welcome to the show this afternoon. Oh eight six eighteen hundred six five by whatsapp or text is our contact number today on the show it's been a while since i've spoken to my next guest i'm delighted to have her back in the show but not in the circumstances you're going to hear tracy hanby gray hello again Hi,
2: Jerry. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I don't particularly want to be on air about it, but I, I find myself in a situation where I need the listener's help.
1: Yes, and they're great on late launch in LMFM land as well. They are really helpful people. So, let's begin the story. Uh, it's about you and your car. Where were you with your car? And I take it your daughter was with you too?
2: So, Claude and I decided to go to the cinema before heading off to her first ship. Shift in the central working, you know, as a 16 year old, very excited to go to work, but also a little anxious. So I said, Go on, I'll bring you to the cinema and then you can start your shift. And then obviously had to bring her home at 12 midnight. So that's what we were at. And unfortunately, when we got back to the car at 12 midnight, we found that the car was damaged and pushed into the parking meter on the fair green. And no evidence or, like, no one leaving any details on the car, nothing. So that meant we had to, myself and herself, walk to the garden station, and, uh, like, I think it was half... 12 by the time we got down there met a lovely guard and and no no disrespect to male guards but it was reassuring to have a female guard you could see the empathy immediately i think she was thinking god her daughter this hour no mm. car stranded and it turned out that they did get a call about the car at about half nine. Uh, someone was very nice to ring in and report the car and the guards did go down, have a look at the car but there was nothing that they could do because there was nothing that they missed the impact and you know it was basically wait until I presented the guard station. So it did and we started the case and basically uh, I found I was in a situation where I ended up having to do the investigation myself. Oh. The uh, lovely lady guard has gone on off duty, which she's entitled to do. But, I mean, I was under huge pressure to find out uh, if this lady, whoever hit me, had insurance. That's really the the rooks of it from a p- policy protection point of view. You need a car reg, and then the guards are to find out if this person is insured.
1: No, no. Let's context this. When was this? What night? Saturday. So Saturday passed. Just Saturday last, and the car yeah. was hit around nine o'clock in the evening at the Fair Green. You think
2: it actually wasn't? It was half 20, uh, Twenty-seven minutes past six, oh. according to CCTV footage that was made available to the guards. And now I'm not sure if they've actually collected it and received it, but I got the information uh, from a, a premises. I'm not going to name anyone, um, but they were very sympathetic. Um, as is is another business coming forward with more uh, information and they'll be passing their CCTV footage to the Garda because I can't have it like.
1: Okay, so 6.20, so much earlier. So it was early evening just after tea time, 6.27 in the Fairgreen opposite the church there. Plenty
2: of activity because yep. mass was on. Yep. I know that mass was on because uh, a witness has come forward because of my social media campaign. She saw everything happened. She took down the registration. And now we have a registration confirmed from her and the CCTV footage. So now the guards are in possession of the registration.
1: And it, it is a lady who was driving the car? Yep, that's confirmed. And um, Black Citroen. She left, she struck you, um, severe damage to your car, pushed it into the parking meter and she just drove on.
2: So unfortunately she was seen to hop out, survey her own damage, hop back into the car. And before she hopped back into the car, interestingly enough, I've been told, she actually uh, kind of stalled time and looked at her watch. Very unusual behaviour and hop back into her car reverse this back into a straight position so she veered into my car mm. um for some reason uh, but, that, but those details aren't really my concern. I suppose what I what I really desperately need is for that lady driver to come forward with her insurance details so I can proceed with my car repairs via the third party so I don't get affected. I am now in a situation where I potentially have an untraceable driver, uninsured driver, and uh, I have put through information to the MIBI.ie. I didn't know anything about this M I B I dot I E until yes. this all happened.
1: No, no. We want to say you don't know whether the person is insured or not. I
2: have no idea. Okay, all so just, just yeah, but just, just
1: to clarify that, yes, you have a registration, but that uh, person may have their insurance. We don't, you won't know that at this stage until. Yeah, well, please God, they have because it'll be more straightforward if that's the case. Absolutely. Will, um, will, will the CCT evidence and the witness do you believe stand up for you?
2: thing the witness had told me that happened apparently is exactly the movement that I've been told, so both not match so yes, I've got a very good position there is a witness that I'm looking for, it's a man who was standing at the car in front of my car, who witnessed her face uh, what was going on on the lead-up to it because he had to stop and wait for her to pass before he crossed the road. So he's my actual first-hand eyewitness and I'm really anxious to make contact with him. Actually, I don't need to make contact with him. He needs to present himself at the Garda station. His information will be extremely helpful to this case.
1: Okay, so a gentleman on the fair green who witnessed this accident, 6.27 on Saturday evening last. If you're listening to us today or you've, somebody's been talking about it that would have heard that somebody saw something happen, you would do a great favour to go to Garda station and perhaps give a statement there that would be of big help to Tracy. Now let's go back to uh, what ensued? So there, you yourself and your sixteen-year-old daughter have no car. It's damaged severely. The guards. Uh, you go to the guard station. Great help there from the uh, lady guard in the station. Yes. What about your insurance company? How, how soon uh. did you get in touch with them, and what happened there?
2: So I rang immediately. They have an online call service. Couldn't get through to anybody. The love no money, whether that's we're busy or short-staffed, I don't know, so I had to leave it to the following day and eventually I got through to them and they basically said well this is a third party event, so the ideal would be that you get her reg place, well at that stage I didn't know if it was a male or female, that you get a reg and that you pursue the line of inquiry with the guards to get the insurance details Mm -hmm. And that was, it's an incident at that stage. So then, obviously, I got to progress my own case further and I got the reg, gave them the details of the reg, gave them the pulse, details from the guard. So, and the witness, I gave them the witness information and still find we're we're at a stall situation and uh, Unfortunately the lovely guard that I'm dealing with is on holidays. Won't be back till Friday morning. Mm. And it's up to it's really all down to the guard to confirm that this is now an uninsured driver, untraceable driver for the MIBI protocol to stand.
1: Right. But if the if the if this lady is traced and her vehicle identified and positively um uh Confirmed, then, and if there's insurance in place, which we hope there is, you won't have to go to the bureau. You'll be claiming yeah, like of it, her insurance. It would be
2: straightforward, exactly, yes. and it would be so stress less. I'm so stressed with this situation because I really feel like I'm in limbo. I, I'm not really getting much guidance from the insurance company, uh, the guard You know what I mean? I feel yeah. like mm. I'm a ship sinking. I just need to proceed and get my car back on the road. I'm a busy single mom nurse. As everyone's going to say, oh, look out. don't we all have our problems? But I really depend on my car. It's my lifeline. I'm now stranded without a car. Yeah. Um, I'm depending on the, the, the kindness of others. I had no choice today but to pursue my own fully comp protection, which is now gone, and I have to pay 500 excess. I have to pay 100 euros of a toll fee to get to my own garage. He had a quick look at it. There's over 1,000 euros damage from what he can see visually from the wheel was actually broke off the car mm. that's a severe impact
1: yeah I w- we can hear your frustration and understandable as well because you're grounded where you live you have your daughter to think of you have your job in Beaumont all that type of stuff to deal with and it, it's not easy when you're suddenly hit with a, a blow like this um the best is really that, I come back to this again, that this person... I wonder, I'm wonder. i just thinking here, if the guards have all this information, surely they can trace the car owner, the driver, etc., and uh, pay a visit or ask them to visit I, the guardian? I
2: did when I rang in, but I didn't get my lady because she's off. I did hand over the reg and I emailed it to my uh, incident guard but she won't be back till Friday morning, and I was told that, no, no, it's Aideen who deals with this, and I said, well, this person is at large, you know, and has caused, you know, a sizable damage. I said, I'm quite anxious to move forward, so I'm giving you the right details to pursue. Yeah. So I've had no update, and the only update I'll have is Friday morning, when I do make a call with the lovely lady guard Mm. for an update. Okay. So I suppose I'm at stalemate, I've Organised fully. Uh, I've used my comprehensive um, cover because what what option do I have? I so, don't have so any of that. So you've
1: options. used your op- just come back to that. You've used your cover to have your car towed.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. Have you got a? Can you get a replacement car? Have you had that on in your insurance? So...
2: Yep, so what's going to happen is I paid for a tow to bring it to my local mechanic garage and a big shout out to Martin Kearney, he's always there, my right hand man, he's fantastic. Um, and now the car, because I've put through the claim, the car's going to be collected and towed to another garage in Navan, an authorised um, assessor and repairer yeah. and looked at. And during that time I'm entitled to a replacement car for up to seven days.
1: But this is so will be all on your, now. this is all, th- th- in other words, you are yeah. claiming on I'm your own it. insurance yeah. that obviously yeah. is going to have implications when yeah. your renewal comes round.
2: Exactly. And I've just literally renewed my policy. So I have a year to sort this out, but that's not fair either. I did nothing wrong. I paid to park there. It was a safe location for parking, I would have thought. Um, I suppose I'm lucky I parked there because I have so much c z t v evidence that maybe in another location mm. I wouldn't have, so I really do hope that that works in my favour but this is apparently a long drawn out procedure with the m i b i so the best outcome here is that the third party cover that I can pursue
1: my claims yes, through. Yes, uh, Yeah, and, and uh, I know, yeah, if you have to go to the Bureau and uh, there's no insurance involved, it is uh, time-consuming for sure. Back to your car, because you need a car, young woman. Um, seven days, is that all you have the use of the vehicle for?
2: Seven days, or if the car is deemed written off, ten days.
1: That's it. So,
2: that's it. So, Yeah. Um, I'm very blessed to have a very supportive ex-husband because obviously I need to be able to bring his daughter here, there and everywhere. And he has lent me his car for the moment, not for the foreseeable, just for the moment to get me by this window this week in particular. And then hopefully I'll have a replacement car for another week. And that's two weeks, I'm hoping. Uh, I really hope it's not a write off situation because I have car finance out on the car. Uh that really troubles me as well, and then also I will have incurred six hundred euros in cost personally over this. Mm. So, it, it,
1: you know, it, it, But if, if the car is written off, I take it you'll get a value on the car. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. Yes, that <laughs> will will course. clear your finance and perhaps leave you with something in hand as well. That that's what you yeah. would hope would be the case. You that's know, what I hope. But yeah, but you but, know what, Tracy? I'm just sitting here thinking, isn't that? bloody well lousy for anyone to do that like I mean if, if if I touched anybody I'd take their edge and uh, or I'd leave it. and I remember one time actually myself someone did touch my car slightly and left a number now there was no issue with it I didn't even go back yeah. to them it wasn't yeah. worth it at all but I thought that's a responsible person and when you look at your situation yeah. it's the complete opposite
2: Jerry, I'm a nurse all I can think of is someone hit a person and drove off yeah mm. it's all i can think of mm. and i'm sorry this represents that situation
1: mm. it is and uh you know oh my oh my and 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 clodagh like uh, the, the the joys of her first wee job she oh, just turned the age that she her, could do something her and spirit
2: just completely yeah crashed.
1: Mm. Mm. She was
2: very upset
1: The only thing is, you're completely in the right, 100%. The other person is 100% in the wrong. You have the CCTV, you have the reg. Now, I will repeat again just what you said earlier. If that gentleman who was there on the spot at 6.27 last Saturday evening on the fair green and witnessed what happened, if you could come forward, it would make a huge difference to Tracy uh, and her situation as well. So if you're listening to us, I say again today do the good thing, do the right thing and uh, pop into an station and say what you have to say. God almighty, you're unfortunate, aren't
2: you? Yeah, I do wonder whether I'm cursed or something.
1: No, you're not. No you're not <laughs> you're, you're, you're not at all But I know We've spoken in the past About uh, several things in, in particular your home Which uh, And just to go back to that uh, Is everything okay With the, the house Everything
2: is great This great. is fourth year assessment Ah
1: fantastic Fantastic So That's, I, I move into year five Ah very good very good. That's, so, you see, you're not. You know what I mean? These things have hit you hard like a truck at times. But you know what? You are made of stern stuff, Tracy Hanby Gray. You oh my really God. Are. I, you I are. I
2: really... <laughs> been tested in life but if I can
1: survive that I can survive anything yes but it's tough Mm. tough going Ah look we hear that and we understand that as well and we feel for you and that's why I wanted to chat you today to see can we help you and can the good people in uh, LMFM land help as well too I hope you get sorted and you're back on the road sooner rather than later and that this resolves completely in your favour with no penalty on your insurance or anything like that Fingers crossed, can we're I, all rooting for you. Can I
2: say one last thing, Jay. Yeah, go ahead. To the lady who did do the damage, mm. I don't know you, I don't want to know you, I don't really... It's all about getting my car situation resolved so I can carry on my life. Mm. If you or your family are listening to this and know that that damage to your car is because of what you did to my car, can you please do the honourable right thing and come forward... Because as I said before, it could have been a person and you could have drove away. I'd like to think you're not that kind of person. So please do the right thing and come forward.
1: Well said. Great to catch up with you today. Wish you well. Thank you for joining me on the show, Tracy.
2: Thank you, Jerry. Take Bye-bye. care of
1: yourself. Bye-bye. Tracy Hanby Gray there. You have the story, hasn't she? told it so well. God, your heart would go out her and feel sorry for her. She's been through the mill in life. She has and didn't need this as well and depends on her car. She's a wonderful nurse at Bowman Hospital in Dublin and needs to get in and out of work. And of course you heard there she has her daughter and lots of other things going on in her life. If you isn't that just lovely. Jerry, I have a car here and if Tracy needs a loan of it, she's welcome to it at any stage. That's a lovely offer, isn't it, from somebody there. Thank you so much yeah, indeed kind. to offer a car to Tracy. You are so kind, and that is the spirit we love. Uh, to feel on late lunch each afternoon any rumour <laughs> you were below at the bank machine last night is, is I was is there a rumour wait. you I was yeah. wait, oh, go on you Wait, really no, no,
3: no. why would you waste your time I mean you're going to have to give the money back anyway
1: oh my oh to drive my. down waste
3: petrol queue up and then get was it in excess of 500 Banks saying 500, other people of mine are saying 1,000. Yeah,
1: some are saying 1,000. You could get out of the bank machine. Bank of Ireland last night were giving money. They're only giving it away, the bank last night. And me slagging them here this week for their interest rates. What a glitch it was Mm. because it went on all day yesterday and I saw people going mad about it.
3: And it was, you transferred it to Revolut and then went down and drew the money out through your Revolut account. (laughs) That was how it worked. You don't have a Revolut account. But... The bank are now saying that it'll be debited from your account if you took money out. But what happens if you don't have any money in your account? I'm going to debit something that's like
1: Overdraft. Two Overdraft. Overdraft.
3: Yeah. You know,
1: no, I think it gave it out no matter what your circumstances were. That's the thing. Oh, yeah, but
3: if they, how can they recoup if you don't, if you flip all it? If you have nothing in your account, how how are they going to recoup that money? <clears throat>
1: Well, they'll get it back because that's one sure thing about the banks. And were you saying to me, the last time something like this happened, there was no interest charged?
3: Yeah, I. that's what I read. I don't know how true, but I... So it's an interest-free loan. An interest-free loan you
1: got yesterday from the banks. There you go. Fantastic. I wonder Any, there,
3: there's anyone out there who did queue.
1: Anyone queue out there for the money? Anyone get okay. money from the machine last Anonymously. night? Anonymously text us <laughs> non- 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 anonymously 086 1800 658 by whatsapp or text you'll only have to pay it back anyway that's the thing yeah. about it but it does bring up the whole question of a cashless society mm-hmm. the dangers of a totally cashless society i think it should never happen There should always be the option of cash there i like the online stuff on the the cards mm-hmm. as well but you must have both because if a glitch happens and think of the power you're giving away and the control as well. Mm. You gotta, you gotta ask those questions. And
3: each transaction you're paying for, whereas if you had cash
1: and you yes
3: paying yes. that transaction mm. over anyway. Wonder if there any businesses out there that just do cash only?
1: Oh yes. Oh, yes, there are, and I've come across them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, places, they won't take anything but cash. Cash is king. There you go. Anyway, uh, the banks uh, are one thing after two and late lunch. It's all about bats with Dr. Neve Roach. Looking forward to meeting Neve again. But taking us up to news and weather at two, it's the bright side of the road. That was the Bank of Ireland machines last night. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest back to Late Lunch, and the little story behind it is that a couple of weeks ago, a listener sent us in a picture of a wee bat that she discovered in her home and wondered what to do with it. Well, when you're talking about bats, we have the expert with us today, Dr. Neve Roach from Bat Conservation Ireland, is in the house. It's great to see you again.
4: Great to see you too, Jerry. Thank Thanks you for, for me. joining
1: me. That's not an unusual thing, I take it, that young bats or bats turn up in homes like this. Sure,
4: it's not really. Um, I suppose what happens or can happen in some occasions might be, you know, bats often do roost in buildings, you know, and they might sometimes be even in the attic spaces of people's dwelling houses. Uh, But bats don't want to be in the living spaces of people's houses. But this time of the year we have young and they've they've been babies were born sort of probably early June, maybe late May. And so at this time of the year, they've learned how to fly. They've learned how to echolocate, which is make those high pitch sounds uh, and listen for the the echoes to to find their way around. Uh, But, you know, they don't know exactly all about their surroundings yet. So, you know, maybe an open window might be somewhere in the vicinity of where they normally roost and they might go in or they might just kind of be exploring, finding their way around, accidentally go into a house um, and then, you know, become stranded. Or occasionally you do also have cats bringing them in. Mm.
1: So crash landings can happen. What do you do if you find a bat like that and it's it's alive and well, it's just on the ground? What should you do with it?
4: Uh, well, so we'd usually recommend that you um, open the windows uh, turn off the lights and just leave the room if if that's, you know, if, you know, if it's a smallish room and, mm. you know, the bat can't get lost in a lot of folds of curtains and things like that, uh, you know, so then, you know, just let it go out by itself. If, if it's the case where, you know, it might be too easy to get lost in the room, um, it would be a good idea maybe to cover it with a tea towel, put on a pair of gloves and see if you can gather it up that way, you know, if it's grounded. Lift it out and then um, you know when it's evening time if you've got a high wall or maybe a high tree and you're pretty sure it's okay and it's able to fly to put it up there um, and see if it flies Leave off. it be then Yeah leave it be To yeah, its I own device. Yeah leaving it be is obviously you know all wild animals it's mm. always the best option mm. really you know Yeah mm. um, You know, same as fledgling birds and things like
1: that. Absolutely. absolutely. If they're in, people as well, you'll hear them talk about, they're in my attic. There's bats in my attic. Yes. And and some people, it doesn't sit comfortably with them at all. What's Mm. the drill then? What should people do?
4: Well, I mean, obviously at Bat Conservation Ireland, we're all about the bats and, and conserving them if possible. And, you know, the real conservation heroes in this case are people who tolerate bats mm. in their attic. Mm. You know, all of our bats are protected uh, because they have declined um, and become extinct in some parts of Europe. Um, and, you know, we are doing our best to, you know, encourage people that if you can tolerate them being there for those few weeks over the summer, if they're not causing too much disturbance or you're not, you know, you don't have a real fear of them to just leave them be. Um, you know, generally they'll they will you, they will make a few droppings, all right. But the droppings are dry, and they can be collected up on plastic sheets, and actually are really good fertilizer. If
1: you want, to, if you're if
4: you're if you've got green fingers, it's a good way to use. Yes, it. organic, yeah. good organic uh, <laughs> addition
1: to your soil. I'm with you all the way on that. But they're not to be feared. It's a it's a misconception, isn't well, it? Well,
4: look, you know, it's a very northwestern Europe thing. It's a cultural thing. This fear of bats. You know, if you go around the world or talk to different people from different parts of the world, you know, it's you know they will have no fears of bats. Mm. So it's very much this whole kind of vampire association with ghosts or you know, graveyards Mm. and all that sort of thing. It is very much a Northwestern thing and it's purely cultural. You know, there is no reason why in other countries they think bats are cool and we don't. The only difference, you know, our bats aren't drinking our blood. They're not doing anything nasty to us. They're only eating insects, which is an ecosystem service. They're eating the midges and things. So there's actually no reason for us to be afraid of them. Mm. It's Purely what we are. we hear as children, the stories were told, and you know it gets passed down from generation
1: mm. to generation. I'd welcome them in my attic, to be honest with you. I would. It's like the yeah. starlings who are in my yeah. facials sure. or anything else I and see. I love be- yeah, because yeah. listen, they we share this place. They yeah. were here before us, yeah. and and that's the way yeah, I, yeah. I I look at it. Yeah. When you say there, they're, they're yeah. in your attic for a, a period of time in the yeah. summer. Explain that.
4: Yeah, so usually, usually, but not always, usually what happens is it's the female bats. So they gather into what we call a nursery or maternity roost. Usually it's sort of late spring, early summer. They all gather together. They are often related to individuals, but they form a colony, and they give birth to a single baby. So they are mammals like us. They give birth to a live baby. They feed their baby milk, um, and they only give birth to one baby a year. They don't reproduce like mice or anything like Mm. it. Um, And so then, after they give birth, they are lactating. They're feeding their babies their milk. They're going out to forage at night to, you know, in order to keep their energy levels up. And then after a few weeks. Uh, The young are able to fly and they learn how to echolocate from their mothers um, and find their way around at night. And this is obviously sometimes where the problems come in when the young are just finding their way around. So the females will tend to leave then sort of by the end of the summer and then gradually the young
1: will leave. And where do they go to?
4: So, well, mating happens in the autumn. So we can have places that are called swarming sites. So it's like the kind of copperface jacks of um, <laughs> of the bat world. Places like Dunmore Cave. So no some way. some of the bats all gather there. So they might travel quite long distances across the landscape to meet at swarming sites, and that's where mating takes place. Uh, sometimes you have males set up a sort of a territory where they try to attract the ladies. Uh, mating takes place in the autumn uh, and the females don't become pregnant actually until the following spring so they hibernate through the winter then. Now in Ireland we know where one species of bat hibernates Uh, it's it's a lesser horseshoe bat, it's found over the west and we know that we get them in large numbers in caves and cellars in the west of Ireland Mm. in the rest of Europe most of the species are also found in caves but in Ireland we don't tend to find them in the winter in caves maybe they're in the crevices and you know, cracks in, in stones, um, but we just don't really know a whole lot. We think they're probably in underground places or maybe in t- mostly in trees. Mm. But they usually leave the buildings that they roost in in the summer because those are too warm. They yeah. want somewhere cool
1: to win, mm. to hibernate in. That's a fascinating aspect of nature that they mate. And they hold the yeah, mating yeah, yeah. process yeah, yeah, yeah. through their hibernation yeah. and become pregnant. Into then on yeah, yeah. it's, it's so miraculous, yeah, isn't yeah. it?
4: So they're adapted to these yes. really poor, low energy conditions that they have to deal with in the winter. They're not, they you know, swallows, which are another flying insect eating animal. They go to Africa, mm. so that's how they cope with. This problem of not, not their, they're not being enough to eat. Yes, they migrate. So, Arabats bats don't do that. They don't undergo large migrations, as far as we know. So, they have to, you know, change how they, you know, conduct their life. Mm. So they hibernate instead, and that's a way of really reducing your energy expenditure. So they don't need to eat so much. That means that they don't use up the fat that they've built up in the end of the summer very quickly. They stay really cold. Their heart rate slows right down. Their body temperature is cold. The blood isn't really even pumping around, except for just through the vital organs. Um, and it means they can last a winter with it very
1: little or nothing to eat. It just shows you the miracle of nature and the mm. way they adapt to. So yeah. are you saying, Neve, that our bats from the northeast here, Louth mm. and Mead, mm. go a distance? Away
4: uh, to, to hibernate. Uh, yes. Well, we don't really know. That's yeah, what I'm saying. That's I mean, the they may go. They may go kind of inland where it's a bit cooler. Yeah. So there's some records of some bats doing that. Mm. You know, from the sort of coast going inland. Uh, we have one bat now that's found in the north and throughout the south. It's sort of spread here through climate change, and that one is actually a long-distance migrator. So it may be going to places like Poland or really, uh, yeah. you know, other mm. places to hibernate from here, uh, but most of them we just we still don't really know it's another one of those mysteries that we need to solve yet isn't it great yeah, to yeah. think
1: that mankind or womankind yeah, yeah. don't know we do, everything we definitely, and we definitely we don't. don't we, we definitely don't. <laughs> don't when it comes to bats yeah, yeah. how many species eight nine is it species in so Ireland? We have
4: nine we've nine resident species there's two others that have been found at least once um, and we're not sure yet we don't think that there's kind of resident populations of them you know we think that they're they were just vagrants, mm. um, but definitely nine. Yeah. yeah. And mm.
1: what's the most common bat in S- this country? So
4: that would be the two pipistrelle bats. Uh, so there's two of them. Uh, until the mid 1990s, we thought there was only one. But then people started getting these devices called bat detectors. And that allow, they allow you to listen in on the calls that the bats make. And people realised that some of them were making these sounds at a higher pitch than others. And also when they caught them, they realized they looked a little bit different. And then when they looked at where they were roosting, they realized that they were roosting in in different places. And then when the DNA was looked at, the genetic uh, analysis was done, they realized they were actually two different species. So one is called common pipistrelle and the other is called soprano pipistrelle. And they would be our two top most common bat species and they're found they're very adaptable and they're often found even in urban areas you know where some of our rarer bats wouldn't like the streetlights wouldn't like you know all the concrete Uh, they can manage to find roosting places and places to forage so they're pretty adaptable in that mm. way.
1: So it's pipistrels. When I sit mm-hmm. out in my back garden, yes. on those summer evenings, yeah, on those Niamh, bam, you, summer you, evenings. You remember those type of evenings? <laughs> they happened
4: at least once oh, this year.
1: <laughs> well, well, you know, I have to say yesterday was one that yeah, it was, it, it was beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I sit out as the sun sets and there's still light to see everything. And the thrill, Niamh, yeah. when I see the first one flutter yeah, yeah. in yeah, yeah. round where I am. Yeah, it's yeah. magical.
4: It is magical. And they're doing, I think this is a really important point, you know, where people are uncomfortable about bats. And, you know, sometimes they want to get rid of them. You have to remember that they are doing a service to uh, for us and to us. You know, they are eating insects that we would otherwise find annoying or may mm. prey on our, you know, crops. Yes. And that is actually one Piece of work that we did with UCD um, over the last couple of years. We called it the Bats and Bugs Project and we asked people to volunteer to take a kit, a sampling kit, and they went and they sampled bat poop. So they went into their attic spaces and they we used this. we gave them tweezers and gloves and everything so yeah. they safely sampled and they put them into little tubes and they posted them back to UCD and we found that 50 percent of the droppings that were sent back to UCD had remains of crane flies I don't know if you're familiar with them. Daddy long legs. Yes. So daddy long legs, everybody knows they're like kind of these slow flying big flies. They look like a really big mosquito. Long legs. Yeah, very long legs. Kind of a, they always almost look kind of like they're drunk or something. Mm. You know, they would fly slowly around. But they actually lay their eggs on the ground and those eggs hatch to form leather jackets. Larvae, larval stage or leather jackets. Leather jackets eat anything. I know I'm a gardener. (laughs) They will eat, they will eat, seedlings you know from the ground and pull them down and they will eat winter barley which is a, ma- they're a major crop of um, winter barley and there's no actually there's no sprays uh, that can be used on yeah. the, uh, those crops safely so you know they're doing a really good job for us in terms of these um you know, ecosystem services, I suppose mm. you call it, pest control, you know. So it's really important, I think, to remember that. And the same goes for swallows and house martins. People might not lo- like the mess that they make, but they have a really crucial role to play in our ecosystems. If we want to be sustainable into the future, we need to encourage these animals.
1: You see, that's the thing that I understand mm. and you do yeah, and maybe sure. lots don't. Yeah. There's a hierarchy
4: Yeah. <laughs> and everything yes. has
1: its place in yes. the hierarchy. And when yes. you pull one of those... Yeah. Elements away. Yeah. Well, you know, it has a knock-on effect up and down yeah, as yeah. well, and that's mm. that's something we got to take on board. Thank you for the lovely little gift you brought into <laughs> me. It's <laughs> a beautiful wee book. Is this available? Or yeah, you- so
4: that's available on our website or on the Biodiversity Ireland website. That's the. It's the it's the National Biodiversity Data Centre. You've probably had people on mm. the show from there, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. So they have a shop as well. So we we publish that in collaboration with the Biodiversity Data Centre. So it's available at either on either website.
1: It's terrific. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. identification guide to Ireland's bats, and it's so neat and compact, and they're all in there. And it'll just do what it says on the tin. You'll know all about them to, uh, when you get this uh, wee book. Talk to me about the car based bat monitoring scheme that you've been involved in what, since what, 2004, round, yes, round then? Yes. What is that?
4: Yeah, so um, so all Irish bats are protected, as I mentioned already, and that's a sort of a directive that comes from Europe. And so Ireland, as one of the member states, is obliged to monitor all of its protected, you know, wild animals yes. and plants. Uh, and so this is one of the schemes that allows us to do that. So basically what happens is very kind volunteers and um, they get a box of equipment from me and some training. And the box of equipment includes a special bat detector um, various you know, pieces of paperwork, a flashing beacon for their car and a clamp. And that clamp basically with that clamp, they can attach the bat detector to the window of their car. So they roll down the window, they clamp the bat detector on and they drive known routes. You know, We have already pre-mapped routes all across the island, north and south. And they drive those known routes at a slow speed and they're recording onto the bat detector the whole time. They send all of the data back to me and I analyze it. So basically, a lot of my winter work is clicking through these sound files and identifying what bats were where along that route. And so from that, we work out The trends. So we have three bat species that we track with that. There's the two pipistrels I mentioned before, the common and soprano, and also this other one called Leisler's bat. So that bat is kind of of interest in Ireland because we have an internationally important population of that bat. If you go to Britain or the rest of Europe, it's actually rare or infrequent. Um, But here it's reasonably common. And so um, being able to track that population is really important. So basically with all of that data, all that information that our volunteers send back to us, we put all of that into a kind of a statistical pot and we track the trends. So from year on year, we say, well, how does it compare with the previous year? And we can look at the populations of the different species over
1: time. So how are we doing? How are the populations of bats?
4: So for those reasonably common bats, they're doing reasonably well. So they seem to be actually increasing often year on year. And so we think when we've looked at that information and compared it to weather and climate information, we think that there's a correlation there between the spring temperatures increasing because of climate change and the population trends also increasing. So we think that actually these warmer, slightly warmer springs mean that the females have a more successful pregnancy and the young are born a bit earlier and can survive then the first winter as a result Mm. a bit better they've sort of built up more fat by the time it gets so it's working in the favour of it's working I know it's kind of surprising isn't it there's a lot of there's a lot of negatives too just about climate change you know and there's a lot of really there's really a lot of unknowns because we don't know how climate change into the future will affect our bats for hibernation, because if the if it's a bit milder, they might wake up more often, go out to forage. There's not really any insects for them to eat. And we are concerned that with hibernation, they that might see a, a negative impact. The other thing is when we look at all these kind of models, scientific models of what bat populations across Europe will be doing into the future, we're seeing that they're going to be moving further north and possibly Ireland will get new bat species coming in And while that in itself is not necessarily a bad thing, our kind of fauna, bat fauna has been here a long time and without competition from other bats. Mm. So we don't know how that will impact, you know, our bats into the future either. So there's a lot of unknowns with it. So these common bats seem to be increasing. The ones that are very specialised, like there's one that flies over water called albentons. There's one that's always tends to go into woodlands that's called brown long-eared bat. Those ones are kind of stable. But there's some other species that we actually suspect are seriously declining and there are rarer bats natterers and whiskered bat and we are really working very hard at the moment to try and devise a way of properly monitoring and accurately monitoring those bats in woodlands. That's actually a project that's ongoing with Bat Conservation Ireland.
1: Really interesting. So their main habitats really are trees, woodlands and water. That's where you should find them more than anywhere
4: else. The most kind of diverse range of bat species. You know, you'll get all of the pips there. You'll get these kind of woodland species. You get the ones that like water. They'll all be around those kind of areas. So the Boyne Valley is like you know fantastic a hot spot hot spot for bats absolutely down around Slane you know I'm very close live very close to Slane so brilliant spot to see bats late at
1: night yeah mm. i love them i have to say and it's been great to have you with mm. me again well, today in the again. show thank yeah. you so much for joining me and i wish you well with your work and let's not leave it as long again to have a chat dr neve roach it's
5: thanks, been a Jerry. Real pleasure.
1: thank you thanks we are motoring for the next while and late lunch tony codlin's in the house i mentioned the song there a moment ago a thousand miles my god i'd say boy, if we had to sit down and think of all the miles you've driven in your out, life yeah, yeah. Thank God It's great <laughs> Trouble free basically Ah yeah. oh, God yeah. bless And that's yeah. that's the main thing about it yeah. I've just been outside Outside the house with Tony I always love to see what he's driving Build your dreams You're driving yeah. this car yeah. This new kid on the block in Ireland We it's spoke it, it, about it, it before yeah, It
5: was brought in this year Yeah, yeah. By, by it's more a, distributors it's an, I, I've just sat into it there It's an unbelievable car, isn't it? It it is, Jerry. There's no doubt at all about the mount. The mount, well, I came in and was speaking to one of your colleagues earlier on, and he was admiring it too. And uh, just a general chat about who makes it, because very few people know much about it. Like, you know, it is Chinese, Mm. but the real interesting thing is it's so modern, it's so futuristic, it's so great. They're so great at the signs of electric simile, and even the design and the build quality is very good too. Of this car. The most interesting thing, as far as I'm concerned, there's so much new stuff coming in. When you see a distributor like MDL, and I repeat myself a little bit here, but when you see a distributor MDL, that past imports that they touched, that turned to gold for them, has been Volkswagen, Audi, Mazda, Skoda. Uh, and they're, you know, back in German hands, but they were the big, big and still are the huge sellers like, you know. Mm. So they had done the research before they imported this car. There's no doubt at all about it. They're a long time in the business. And this car is being talked about by the tech people. You Know what I mean? It's not just about design and everything else, but if you look at the front, the, the speakers and the doors like you know, the, built, the different door handles, the, the, the big screen that can tilt over and turn around like to 380 or 180 or whatever. And uh, it's very interesting car, Jerry 420 kilometers, real world. Is that the that, real that, number? That's real world. Yeah, real world. It will
1: do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What does that come in at for the base model? The
5: base model, 38-odd uh, thousand. Uh, the model they're designed, the street trim levels, that's the design when I'm driving, is 42-odd. Mm. And uh, that's competitive, considering it's, a, it's, in that it's market. a substantial enough car. You know, the boot mightn't be the biggest. I don't have the litres on it, but the seats fall. Like, you know, like mm. 60, 40s fall on the seats in that market it's a car that when you sit in, it puts you in good form it's so different you know what I mean yes. and it's not difficult you know like you look at we we'll are talk in a minute about something else but about difficulty maybe of finding your bees and all this thing on the modern technology and it's uh, it's so easy to learn and that's what I love about it too. So it will appeal to all generations, that's really. That's
1: another big plus. And you're up off the ground again. It's Yeah,
5: you're up off the ground. Like it's, it's not a full SUV by any means. No. But, but you're, it's there, there about ah, you. Yeah. You're up higher, you're you sitting are. higher, adjustable seat, an electrical adjustable seat, and big panoramic sliding sunroof. When do you see a sunroof that actually opens up? I was thrilled to see it, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, lovely car. Yeah,
1: lovely yeah, car. Yeah. Anyway, that's what Tony takes to us today. Now, you've been driving a number of marks in recent times. What about this? Uh, we're going to talk about two Hyundais, but first the ionic 6 ev you've had as well for a while and been driving this is one substantial car tony Connolly.
5: yeah and you know you might think today is all about praise and all that we could probably start dip picking but there's not much sense in it because this is a the ionic 6 world car of the year world car design of the year and world electric car of the year 2023 now sometimes i do kind of look when about cars designs and all this and Prizes and all that but uh, the style of it is unique mm. do you know I, uh, I'm only kind of I live in here but I reckon if you went into a, a school an art class and there's 20 students and you said draw me yours sketch me a, a futuristic car and could you please do it maybe like pretty quickly I'm sure they're going to come up with a silhouette of something like that the roof of it you know? <laughs> it's there's like
1: no, an, an upturned it's boat just like the hull of a boat isn't one, it one twist of a it's pen so right, you know? it's just, so
5: Smooth and So what sweet, what yeah. have you got? Like yeah, you have the whole thing. You have is a large car. It's a kind of contradictory in ways because people say the large saloon cars are dead. SUVs are taken over. This could unwind things a little bit here. There's no question at all about that. So what have you? You've a range. They're like claiming just over sixteen six hundred and fourteen. I fourteen. I'd no trouble getting five sixty. No trouble miles, but kilometers. K- sorry, kilometers kilo- to, kilo- to a charge. To, to a charge. Yeah. What what am am absolutely. Miles, no it's front. all kilometres now. Kilometers, yes, kilometres. Yeah. That's a hell of a range. It is. And I, what I do, like again, people just massive speed attached to it if you want to go into sport mode or whatever. I, threw it, I tried all modes, but I threw it mostly into eco mode, and that's what I was achieving. It's got the same. Planning under the ground as such as the Ionic Five, but because of the CD factor, the aerodynamic is only an aerodynamic CD factor not 0.21. It makes it that's where you get the extra distance over over the mm. over the Ionic. Huge internal space in it a little bit smaller if that's a little nitpick maybe 400 litres there thereabouts but again you can fold down the seats when you get the golf clubs definitely just maybe fall down one bit of the seat and all that, but it depends what kind of sets of golf clubs you have so two two types of motors here a 53 and a 77 well look if you're going to spend the money go for the 77 that's mm-hmm. the one i was driving uh, uh i think it was the elegance one too go for the 77 and uh you're going to get that distance. The 55, 53. Look, it's the day you buy, it's the day you sell. That's what I recommend with these things. Go for, If you can afford it, if you're going to do it at all, do it right, mm. you know. Don't, don't be playing around And with
1: that. what's 55 and 77? It's all
5: to do with, that's the size of the batteries. Okay. So it's this amount of distance. You're going to get less distance uh, yeah. in, in the 53. So you're in the recommending 53. the 77 in this? Yes, and try and go, like, like the elegance, the model I drove, like, a trailer package, for example. The other interior auto flush doors. Like you went up and the doors just come out, the handles come out automatically and you're like this is odd. Mind you Land Rover have that system too. But uh, head turning car. There's no mm. question about it. Do you know we'll whisper this one, but if Porsche are listening? they're going to be a little bit upset by the rear design because it's prettier than many a Porsche. And they are renowned for their tail fins and the beautiful aerodynamic shapes. So they're probably a little bit jealous. There's of this just stage. been
1: an emergency board meeting called a
5: Porsche. <laughs> but <laughs> well, the big TFL Tony displays said. and all that yeah. on it. And uh, look... Um, Money wise, money money wise, starting off, said 48,295. The model I drove, the the elegance one, was 62,000, right up to 62,000. Now, you get an awful lot of extra equipment. So, if you're going to go in there, you know, this is honest to god equipment. Like the Mm. the basic one has two A4 pages listed of equipment. Mm. So, to go with the hex a little bit might be better. It's a car. You would get a lot of pleasure of, and it's because of the distance, because of no anxiety factor really there. Mm. And it's a talking point. Some people might hate Jerry, mm. but just think. Just, you know, Tony loved it. When I looked at it, I imagined I'd hair in my head And I was younger. I said, <laughs> this is futuristic stuff. Like, you know.
1: I brought you back. 700 lights, they say. I was just looking at that in that car all over with all the different aspects of equipment in it. When you mention 60 grand and a car, a lot
5: of people probably shudder, Tony, and say, oh, my God. Yeah, there's no doubt at all about that. Uh uh, right. okay you can get one there at 48 they, they might shudder but it might shudder a little bit more when we run through other cars yes. here later on this afternoon because it, there's nothing cheap anymore now there is a Hyundai here we're going to talk about that. It's pretty competitive the Kona, the let's Kona. mention the Kona now right, okay. well this is not uh, the Hyundai show number one, no. but the Kona, the new Kona yes. was uh, introduced recently and interestingly uh, this car has grown up an awful lot it, it's really a pretty car And every one of the lads on the day that we looked at, we were just saying, it's amazing the way way they can do things. It's just... Now, it's a one-litre car. Different signature elegance in an N-line in a one-litre petrol engine. And then you have a 1.6 hybrid uh, system too. The one-litre petrol was a massive, beautiful car. 30895 Now, that is value because this corner is nearly as big as the Tucson. the present Tucson it's nearly I'm not going to go right through the measurements but you're going to be surprised do you think it's a little little super mini no it's not it's a big big super mini Mm. and it's uh, and then you have the hybrid starting at 34,000 going in the right direction Jerry. this list there of all the equipment you can see it in front of me I'm not going to go through it all because we just bore the pants off everybody but I would go in if I was you and you had the corner or you're into that market it's a very interesting car
1: the new Kona it's bigger you heard from Tony and it's at a price point there the 1 litre beautiful punch in the engine and petrol is going to be around for a while longer we have to say that as well let's talk about the Renault Austral Austral hybrid it's another car you've has been with you lately well it
5: was with me I drove it above and yeah. this actually the launch of it was there and this is from the Megane E-Tech which is the pure electric this is a hybrid Austral we'll just mention a few things here Interestingly, it's fantastic build quality. There's a lovely drive quality attached to it too. Want to live with it for a little bit longer, most certainly. But there's no sign of Renault taking the foot off the pedal at any time soon in relation to technology and hybrids and electricity and all that. I was only home after the Austral uh, event when it was announced that they would launch the new Arkana e-Tech SUV Coupe here in September at the same time abroad in September in Munich they will launch the new Scenic E-Tech All Electric and then you have coming down the road which this is, go- this is going to take over I guarantee you I, I'll go into Paddy Power and put a bet on this the Renault 5 Electric the shape of it it's, it's like the full turbo job when that comes, and if it's anywhere competitive at all, it's still concept like, but it's going to happen. There's no doubt at all about it. Back, Back to the to five. Back to the Renault five. Uh, what I'm memories. I'm sure they'll call it something maybe different, but that's what it's concept at the moment. That's huge. The Australia of Techno, Techno Esprit Alpine, and the iconic Esprit Alpine. Let me tell you that the top of the range one has four wheel steering. On it, which means the touring radius in the city is very tight, something like 10 or something mm. no, no, 10, 10, uh, I get in a minute. but it's very, very tight. Anyway, and it is a very interesting car, full of technology. Again, goes to show you how fast things are going, like you know, and how fast things are, are moving in this score. But uh, it's an interesting car, it's another flagship as such. Underneath, there, is
1: it? Are you talking about the
5: Australian? family car F- family car it's again like crossover SUV like you know a yes. uh, whole lot of multi-sense set settings on it for safety and assistance systems and uh, 30 advanced driver assistance systems Jerry. Jerry like uh, boot capacity 555 and that's another interesting one because a lot of the hybrids and electrics the boots are getting a little bit smaller mm. so lads might have to start playing pitch and putt rather than <laughs> golf you know but just check that out that's <laughs> what I say to you all lessons, you know uh, the tournaments the, the well just leave it as a tight turning circle. the figure I just cannot find. Yeah. But do you need four wheel steering? That's at the top of the range, it's up to you. Prices what are the starting at all? Prices starting at forty five thousand, mm. forty seven thousand. And uh, it's a ten point one metre turning circle. Mm. And that car that car is fifty two thousand. So you're forty five, forty seven, fifty two in mm. the Austral.
1: So that's the range. Like when I was talking about prices earlier, that's really where this is at when you're talking about electric vehicles. Oh, yeah, but yeah. someone
5: might just ring and in. What kind of an engine has it? Well, it's mm. a 1.2 turbo engine, and Renault are recommending or disclaiming here that it will do 1,100 kilometres on the tank of fuel because it works in conjunction with the hybrid for it both power and fuel efficiency. Okay.
1: So, so that's available in straight fuel, hybrid.
5: Uh, straight fuel and hybrid. That, that that's yeah. well, it's, it's a hybrid only, sorry. Yeah, hybrid. hybrid only. Yeah, it's not electric yet. It will make possibly an electric version. But let's just tell you the way around it. We mentioned about the five. Very quickly, Jerry. the next generation, uh, they're going into a, a group of their 50-50 share with a I think the Japanese Chinese called Geely signed a, a gent. Joint venture to develop next generation hybrid and highly efficient powertrain engines and other petrol engines or whatever else. That's interesting because the figure I read somewhere and heard is 7 billion. So if everything is going to go EV in seven years' time or less, six and a half years' time why are they doing all this? So they're going to be looking at more developments here. Like as Ted Bonner-Lord of used to say, leanborn leanborn In other words, more air on the engine than, than fuel, the mix. So he could be right Yeah,
1: <laughs> A wise man from here. Before we go on to any more of the cars, you wanted to talk a bit about schools will be starting up very soon again, back after the summer break. You wanted to have a word about that?
5: Uh, look, it's just, you know, we're, we're all conscious of it. Like it's it's a lovely time of the year now where people are in holidays and there's less traffic on the roads as such and in towns and villages where there's schools just be conscious that there'll be new people starting delivering children to school they're rushing and they're fussing and people taking their time and less the speed because uh, it's not worth it you know it's definitely not worth it Uh, just slow up a little bit and you know what Jerry? people are not slowing up be truthful with you they've gone crazy I don't know what's going wrong at all Mm -hmm. you think they were you know the price of fuel the price of diesel you think they were multi-millionaires going out there but they want to just slow up a little bit
1: yeah and that's an important point to bear in mind with the school conditions back. and everything and the other thing the harvest is in full flight and yeah. will be over the next yeah. while and you are encounter plenty of farm machinery tractors etc travelling the roads that's another issue yeah there's another thing
5: we will talk about is this thing you have a 3D action and a fella hits a tractor and it frightens the living daylights so you so true life uh, see fire brigades and everything around you it should be in every school and every train centre and that's another day's talk but I'm conscious of Tractors creeping out, people trying to get the harvest out. There's muck on the roads, there's proper not proper signage out to see. I saw an old luminous jacket the other day hanging on a cone. Definitely the luminous jacket was 55 or 60 years old. There's no doubt at all about it. There's no illumination in it. So, look, think of the motorists, think of the young people, think of everybody and allow for these things. If you see gates open, if you see tracks or whatever, it could be a tractor around the corner. And the other thing, if you're bringing in the harvest, God bless everyone that's trying to bring it in, I'd say, Tractors have got faster, 40 kilometres, 55, 50 kilometres, maybe 45 kilometres, and drivers sometimes feel they don't need to indicate in a cars by or just having this big, massive train heading down the road. That's not right. Mm-hmm.
1: So respect on both sides from those using the machinery and out and about using the roads and from all road oh, users right to it. be aware. Of the harvest going on at this point in time, just about a minute, Tony. Just mention the BMW five, if you would, before B- we go.
5: BMW five, Jerry. It's all it's going to be all electric. The first versions of it, then there will be uh, um, hybrid versions, two versions, and then there will be the old fashioned turbo engine. They will become with uh, no diesel this time. Prices will start for the electrics at about ninety thousand, rising up to hundred nineteen thousand. The petrol sixty nine thousand. Full attack, mm. absolutely full attack, and. Uh, I think you can get an app to park, for, park this car with your phone but uh, I'll tell you one thing Jerry: if i ain't paying 119000 there's no one going to park me Beam or only me <laughs> that's so true Tony no phone no apps uh,
1: anyway it's great to have you back in studio with us again this afternoon thank you so much for oh. joining me again Tony and I'm thinking of you in the Ionic uh, 6 the new car and all those thoughts of a, a mop of hair in your head and going back to your youth we'll dedicate this one to you Tony yes it's the monkeys and Daydream believer. See you, Tony. Thanks, Cheer up, oh, what can it
0: mean to a and a homecoming queen?
1: Now I know, Louise, it's very rude to return a gift, but. You, you you paid the princely sum of <laughs> of a euro for it. I wasn't and
3: expecting this. Go
1: I on. I offered you it back the other day at fifty cent, and my bottom line today is I can't go any lower. I'll, I'll twenty cent, and you can have it back.
3: I don't want it back
1: because
3: I'd jinx it. <laughs> if you gave it back to me, chances are you'd be looking back for tomorrow, and I'd have to charge you fiver.
1: Well, will I tell you now? I won't be looking back for it tomorrow, that's for sure.
3: Anyway, the colour suits you.
1: <laughs> on Friday, maybe, <laughs> Louise. On Friday, maybe. <laughs> You're after putting the thought into my head there. I withdraw the offer. I'm holding on to it. I've decided. I'm going to be able to sell it, it for 20
3: quid on Friday. I and upwards.
1: So. Yeah, 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 potentially. Yeah. Potentially. And they're out there all scratching their heads, wondering what are that pair talking about at all. They're
3: Nonsense like... as usual. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excuse me, I beg, your,
3: I beg your. Speaking for myself, I, I of beg
1: course. Your puddings. Say what you like about yourself. Uh, I always do. <laughs> here's the thing. Do you remember, folks? Louise, we 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 actually made a declaration on late lunch to say summer is over, yep. didn't we? And Louise arrived And since then in. it hasn't rained a drop. It hasn't rained a drop. It hasn't rained a single drop since. Anyway, Louise <laughs> arrived in with a poncho for me. <laughs> a poncho. Now, she's very thoughtful. Like, really, a poncho. But know, the
3: minute I saw you, yeah, I just thought <laughs> that it'd th- suit Jerry.
1: Since the day I got the poncho. <laughs> <laughs> the sun has put this hat on. Hip, 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 hip Yes, the sun hasn't stopped shining. We haven't had rain but our little... Uh, a little flutter uh, uh, as such it was but it's been dry since. Will I hold on to it? Do you think I should? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. All right. It's it's rude to return a gift anyway, isn't it? It's if it rude. doesn't
3: rain for like 600 days from <laughs> now I'll buy a <laughs>
1: I'll buy you parasol oh, and see what happens. Oh God, you're taking a chance, aren't you? Six hundred days. <laughs> I'll go on. No, it will never. Uh, anyway, anyway, we we were taking the credit, aren't we? We are taking mm. the credit on yeah. late lunch for
3: we did reverse psychology with yes. the weather.
1: Karma, it's karma. We implored the gods and said to them, "You know, it's it's over. Summer's over, and it's yeah. it's it, it's at an end. Forget about it. We're into this now." Uh, and there you go. The weather just bucks the trend. It's like a friend of mine, Martin Ryan, who I fish with, right? From mm. Time to time. If he's catching nothing, he starts crying. Oh, I never get anything. I'll never catch a fish. And the next minute, bump, he has one.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other bowl game of reverse psychology compared to, you know, the way people says, oh, manifest things and they'll yes. appear and manifest. Yeah. But there you go doesn't, you know, if you reverse psychology. The other thing, if you don't manifest stuff and go the other way, it
1: appears. Cry so about it.
3: What's, what what's the story there?
1: Cry, cry about it and it'll come your way. I don't know what the story is, but mm. there's something out there that we, none of us absolutely understand. But anyway, late lunch Poncho listeners. Poncho Friday, <laughs>
3: put a picture up.
1: Okay. Mm. You have it, to have
3: the hood up now.
1: If it rains, we'll do that for sure. Anyway. I'll let you
3: away with it on the bike. because there's a picture of a... <laughs> Person where to punch on the mic.
1: <laughs> Let's do something that they know about on late lunch at this time.
0: Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today, it's...
1: The number three from this week in 1982. And if you were around then or subsequently, I'm sure you'll know it. The song won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. It did indeed. And Golden Globe as well. Yes, it was written by a man called Michael Gore and Dean Pitchford. They combined together. And it achieved chart success when it became the theme song... To fame. Yes, the number three from this week in 82 is Irene Cara and fame. fame. Oh, Headband and leggings in tow. Irene Cara and fame on your late lunch this afternoon. The number three from this week in 1982. After the final break of the day today on Late Lunch, I'm in the kitchen with Tara Walker, who's rustling up a meal on a budget. It's been a little while, but we have a special plan for the listeners.
6: Yes, Jerry. So I, I was thinking about, you know, the cost of living crisis really that's going on in the country at the moment and i am sure like everybody else has have noticed that you know gas electricity everything's really really going up and and the cost of the weekly shop as well so we're going for four for six with this new series and we're going to have a meal for four people only spending six euros now to be fair some weeks can be a little bit less which it is this week and other weeks there might be a little bit more we're also taking into account that there are certain store cupboard ingredients that are not included such as maybe oil or something like that Um, but basically your meat or your protein whether it's fish or something vegetarian and your carbohydrate and your vegetables are for six euros for four people part of this whole thing even is like it's almost like a self-care isn't it cooking for yourself even if you're on a very tight budget that you take the little time out of your day and make something nice for yourself and i think it's very rewarding apart from the fact that it's you know obviously lighter on the pocket
1: we've got to feed ourselves and feed ourselves well no matter what's going on so our first dish in this new series is smoked salmon chilli and broccoli pasta
6: exactly so very very easy to do it's actually one of those dishes I often pull together kind of last minute and um, I'd often have a little bit of smoked salmon in the fridge you know because of the way it's packaged it lasts quite a long time when it's unopened I always have some pasta there and then you're really just looking for a bit of broccoli the other ingredients then are your oil your chilli flakes and your garlic which I would always have a store cupboard ingredients so I'm going to start by just boiling up my pasta first of all And I'm using spaghetti. I just love spaghetti. Um, And I kind of like it for this dish as well. And I'm going to just pop the spaghetti into my pan and get that boiling. So I'm not going to bother with any olive oil in my pan this time. um, Because I want our nice flavour to stick. And I'm going to add plenty of salt into the water. And in about two or three minutes, this, this pasta takes about eight, nine minutes to cook. I'm going to pop my broccoli in. So I've just chopped up my head of broccoli into florets.
1: And you'll actually pop the broccoli into the pasta as it's cooking there in the water.
6: Exactly. So saving on another pot and another wash up and all of that. So look, while the pasta is cooking, we're going to get a start on our little sauce. So it's a very, very simple sauce, really, if you can even call it a sauce. So I'm just going to infuse some olive oil with some chili and garlic. So I'm adding my chili flakes. My pan is on the lowest possible temperature and I have about two tablespoons of olive oil in there. And a nice sprinkle of dried chili flakes, so pepperoncino. So this is like a little take on aglio olio pepperoncino, which you'll often see in Italian restaurants, which is garlic, oil, and chili flakes. And then a little bit of minced garlic going in there as well. And now we're just going to let that sit and infuse while the pasta is cooking. So on the lowest possible temperature, we don't want to hear any kind of a sizzle. We just want that to just infuse nicely so you can hear it's starting to sizzle a tiny bit there so I've taken it off the heat and I'll just let that sit there until we're ready to toss everything through
1: oh what aromas the garlic the chili the oil magic
6: you can imagine if you can't afford to go to Italy you can imagine you're in Italy with these lovely aromas
1: (laughs) fantastic so the pasta is bubbling away there nicely and here comes Mr Broccoli
6: yes so the pasta has been on about three minutes or so and now the broccoli florets are going in I'm going to just keep a little bit of that cooking water when it's done so I'll just pop it into a colander and catch the water underneath and we'll use that to
1: emulsify the sauce so we return to our smoked salmon chilli and broccoli pasta and Tara's heading for the sink And (laughs) a lovely colander.
6: Yes, so I've just popped my broccoli and spaghetti into the colander and you can see I put my pot straight back in underneath to catch some of that pasta water um, because we're going to use that just to get that sauce nicely going. So over here, my pan that was infusing with the chilli and the olive oil is just going back on a very, very, very gentle low heat. And I'm going to add my pasta and my broccoli into the pan now. I'm going to get some salt and lemon, lemon zest and lemon juice for this. And then we're going to toss all of that around with our smoked salmon my little zester just taking my lemon zest and you can see this lemon was already zested (laughs) that's how often i do it there we go and now in with our smoked salmon so the smoked salmon doesn't need to be cooked obviously it just needs to be heated through more than anything but it will cook a little bit in the residual heat there you don't want it to cook for a super long time because you want to maintain that nice flavor and not turn it into
1: pieces that have all broken up So the salmon goes in to join the broccoli and the pasta. The little touch of lemon has gone in there already. Fantastic.
6: My little touch of pasta water going in now. So like a couple of tablespoons of splash and just bring all of that together. Have a little taste then check for seasoning. And I have a basil plant now again. This is outside of our kind of six euro. This is something I just always have on the side there even if you get a month's worth of use from a a 175 euro plant i think that's pretty good going i'm just going to have a little test for seasoning now because it's such a simple little dish you just want to make sure before you serve it up there's good flavor in it because you might want to season it a bit more i'm going to pop a little squeeze of lemon juice a little pinch of salt in because it is such a simple little recipe you know let's serve up and give you a taste Jerry.
1: our first dish in the new series with tara walker smoked salmon chili and broccoli pasta and In this series, Tara, with costs in mind all round, feeding four people for six euro. Some of these dishes may go a little over, others a little under, but on the whole, it'll work out at six across the series. I think you're way under the six euro today.
6: Yes, well, we're under today because next week we're going to go a little bit over. But definitely, I think for week one, this is a good way to go about it because, you know, you might want to buy a few um, store cupboard ingredients like the chili flakes, the garlic, and the olive oil but really once you have those things in it is really really reasonable to feed four people a nice tasty dinner without much effort so for this week Jerry are you going to try I've just popped a little bit of basil on are you going to try your smoked salmon chili and broccoli pasta with a little bit of lemon and basil
1: Does a cat like milk as they say (laughs) let's have a taste it's very rude to eat with your mouth full that's why I had to just get that down the hatch there Tara do you know what I say about that simple it's nutritious it's healthy. It's lovely. It really is beautiful.
6: Good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And how quick and easy is that? And literally, I have a variation of this um, in my cookbook as well. Good food, no stress, but it's, it's a different version with creme fraiche and peas and asparagus. But I do think it's a really good one for those days when you're just busy, and you're a bit tired and you just want to whip up something that's really tasty. I had this the other evening, sitting on the couch, watching a movie, feet up, and it was lovely.
1: Absolutely lovely. So we're away. Four for six, yes. Feeding four people for six euro. We're well below today. We'll be back next week with the second in the series. But for today, it's smoked salmon, chilli and broccoli pasta. And Tara, just remind listeners where they can follow you now.
6: Yes, so I will post all of these recipes and a link to listen back as well from your show
1: tarawalker.ie there you are simple straightforward tarawalker.ie it's all there thanks a million great to see you again thanks Jerry. see you next time yes next Wednesday back with Tara Tommy from Italy greetings sent us in a message Louise by WhatsApp to say hello enjoying the show and to tell us that it's 36 degrees at the moment uh, where Tommy is and Louise sends him back a message folks will I post you over the poncho <laughs> And Tommy comes back, Louise, with a fantastic repost. He says, yes, I'll use it as a ground <laughs> sheet. <laughs> good man, Tommy. <laughs> Great to hear from you. <laughs> uh, there's no end to the wit. We'll use, the poncho. <laughs> we will. use it one way or another. Anyway, not today because uh, we're off for the evening. Eddie Caffey's on his way with the drive and we'll see you for Thursday's Late Lunch from 1.30. Have a good one. Listen back to the Late Lunch Show podcast on LMFM.ie or the LMFM app.
0: Brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Draheeda, Dundalk, and Cavan. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.